Please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you tonight. We're continuing a series on Psalm 23. And tonight we look in God's antidote to all your hurts. Because we live in an imperfect world, you're going to get hurt in life. You'll be hurt by accidents, you'll be hurt by illnesses, and the deepest hurts you will have are the hurts that come from other people. In your notes, relationships. Relationships are the greatest source of hurt, also the greatest source of joy and blessings. The problem is that our response to those hurts is usually a wrong response. So we will look first of all at three things not to do when people hurt you. Because these three things will mess you up. Three things that not to do when you hurt. Number one, in your notes, when you hurt, don't ignore it. Do not ignore it. Because that is the Clint Eastwood approach to pain. Suffer in silence. Bite the bullet. Be a macho man. Pretend that it does not exist. Hope that it will go away. And we all often do this. We often try to cope with our hurt by just pretending that it does not exist. There are several ways that we do this. One way is through denial, flat-out denial. I don't have a problem. Or I am not hurting. We deny how we really feel. Another way we ignore the hurt is by minimizing it. We minimize the hurt. It's no big deal. Did not really hurt that bad. And we try to minimize it. We also try to ignore the hurt by procrastinating. We postpone doing anything about it. We sweep it under the carpet. We say things like, one of these days, one of these days I'm going to visit that dentist. One of these days I'm going to have that surgery. One of these days, I'm going to get some marriage counseling. One of these days, I'm going to confront my boss. When we have a hurt, we keep procrastinating. We're putting off. Why? Because we always try to postpone the unpleasant. The problem is that ignoring the hurt never heals the hurt. The hurt that you are trying to ignore right now will not get any better. People will say, time heals all wounds. Ever hear that? Sure, try sitting in a doctor's office. Time there does not heal all wounds. Sometimes it even makes them worse. Look at Psalm 39, verse 2 and 3, where David said, I've kept very quiet, but I became even more upset. I became very angry inside. And as I thought about it, my anger burned. See, David is saying that procrastination turns minor problems into major problems. It just gets worse when you do not deal with them. So number one, don't ignore your hurt. Number two, in your notes. When you hurt, don't run from it. Don't run from it. This is the Don Knox approach. You run away. You escape, Mr. Chicken. You retreat. You run from your problems. You just do not face anything. And David also tried to do this one. Look at Psalm 55, verse 6 and 8. Where David says, I wish I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and rest. I would hurry to my place of escape. Ever try doing that? You would run away from your problems to place of escape? That's really human nature. 
human nature when we face difficulties. We try to run from them. It's not by accident that all doors on public buildings, they open outward. Why? Because when people panic, what do they do? They run. We try to get away from our pain. Today, there are a lot of ways to escape our hurt. We listen to movies, television, computer games, alcohol, drugs, divorce, even Disney World. There are a lot of ways to try to escape. You get a high, but when you come down from your high, nothing is solved. Nothing has changed. When people hurt you, number one, don't ignore it. Number two, don't run from it. Number three, in your notes, when you're hurt, don't hide it. You do not hide it. Some people do not run from it, they do not ignore it, but they do try to hide it. They keep it to themselves. They do not tell anybody. Some of you wear a mask. Some of you are quite good at camouflaging your pain. You wear nice clothes, you have a pleasant smile, but the fact is that you've been hurt. You've been hurt deeply by somebody. We are good at playing that game, remember, called, is something wrong? Ever play that game? Somebody in your life says, something wrong? You say, oh, no, no, nothing's wrong. They say, are you sure? We continue, oh, no, no, nothing is wrong. We hate to admit that we are hurting. We disguise it. Some people hide their hurt by their materialism. They get hurt, they go shopping. So possessions, however, never took the place, never compensated for the pain. Looking at Psalm 32, verse 3, where David says, When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside me. I moaned all day long. See, David is saying that hiding a hurt only intensifies the hurt, only makes it worse. It's good to share that hurt with others, especially have the same kind of hurt that you do. But you cannot share it until you stop hiding it. Look at James 5, verse 16. In fact, please read that verse with me together out loud. Confess your faults to one another that you may be healed. What that means is that revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. When you share your hurt, that's the beginning process of getting over it. As long as you hide it inside, you cannot get well. Now, if ignoring it, running from it, hiding it doesn't work, what do I do? And that's where we look at Psalm 23. You look at two things tonight God says to do when you hurt. In Psalm 23, verse 5, the scene changes there in the psalm from a field to now a feast. So David shares two illustrations that gives us two steps to take to heal our hurt. Number one in your notes, the first thing to do when you hurt, let Jesus soothe my wounds. Let Jesus soothe my wounds. Look at Psalm 23, 5 again. You anoint my head with oil. What in the world does that mean? You anoint my head with oil. Sounds like you have a greasy hair. Shepherds put oil. Shepherds put oil on the heads of their sheep for two reasons. To soothe and to heal. Do you know what one of the worst enemies of sheep is? One of the first enemies of the sheep is just flies. Sheep hate flies. Because sheep are there on all fours. They cannot swat flies. They don't have a tail like cows do to whip around. They cannot get away from flies. In summertime, it means it's fly time for sheep. Flies will come up and buzz around the sheep's head. 
Wasn't going to tell you this tonight, but kids will want to know this. Flies get up to sheep's noses, and they lay eggs there, and the larva drives the sheep crazy. Get it? Sometimes you see sheep banging their heads because they're going crazy. Do you have any irritation flies in your life today? What shepherds do you do for their sheep is use a certain olive oil. In your notes, olive oil by the shepherds repels flies. A mixture of olive oil and sulfur will be used to anoint the head of the sheep. It's like insect repellent to them. The shepherd is trying to say to his sheep, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of all your irritations. And our good shepherd, Jesus, also takes care of our irritations through his unconditional love for us and forgiveness of our sins. Jesus gives us the power to deal with the irritations and the hurts of others. Jesus took all of our sins and paid for them on the cross with his precious blood. And that forgiveness now flows through us by the Spirit's power to take care of the problems that we have with other people. Not only does olive oil repel flies, but oil in your notes also heals wounds. Oil in the Bible actually heals wounds. Oil is like a salve that heals wounds. It's an ointment so that when a sheep would have an open wound, they would use oil, and that oil would soothe their wounds. And Jesus, the good shepherd, wants to soothe all the hurts that you have in your life. Looking at Psalm 147, verse 3, please read that verse with me together out loud. God heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Jesus says that I will do repair work. I will do repair work on the hurts in your life. I can bandage them up. And once you have forgiven the person that has hurt you, does that mean that the pain has all gone away? No, of course not. Even after you have forgiven a person, you still will hurt. So many people do not understand that. Forgiveness is an instant. We forgive instantly. But restoration and healing takes time. Forgiveness is instant. But healing may take years or even at least months. Christians will often think that once they have forgiven a hurt, they will immediately be well. But you will not be healed yet. You have taken the first step in forgiving. But now comes the healing process. You may have to wear a cast for a while for healing to take place. You may have to wear a bandage for a while until you are completely healed. It does take time. What kinds of bandages does Jesus use to heal our hurts? I've listed four ways on the back of your sermon notes tonight. Jesus heals our hurt, number one, through fellowship. When you get together in fellowship with fellow Christians, you find support, the support that you need. And when you hurt, you need to share it with somebody. Don't just ignore it or run from it or hide it. You need to be part of a loving family. You need a significant small group. You need fellowship. Number two, Jesus heals our hurts in your notes through prayer. You need in prayer to talk it out with God. If you do not talk it out with God, you're going to take it out on your own body or take it out on somebody else. So you need to unload. And if you do not unload, you will explode. You can read the Psalms and see how the psalmist so often unloaded on God. Saying, God, I hurt her. God, I want those people punished. And God uses prayer then in the healing, the recovery process. Number three in your notes, in your notes, Jesus heals our hurts through the word and through the sacrament. In worship, Jesus heals 
uses word and sacrament, the means of grace. There's a healing power as people gather for worship and praise, hearing the gospel, receiving Holy Communion. Jesus bandages us up. Number four in your notes. Jesus heals our hurts through ministries. Ministry is helping others who have been hurt also. Did you know that when you help others you, uh, and who have been hurt, it actually helps you also? God has set up the world that way. When you help someone less fortunate than you or someone who has gone through the same hurts that you have gone through, it brings healing to you as well. It's the principle behind AA groups and other recovery groups. As you help others, you become stronger yourself. And the church simply provides healing through fellowship, prayer, word and sacrament, and through ministries. Two important things to remember about healing. In your notes, healing occurs in two phases. The first phase, number one, be still. If you are recovering from a major hurt right now, then you need to be still. You know that, of course, physically, but it's also true emotionally and spiritually. Be still is where you just lay in bed after surgery, but after a while you get to phase two. In your notes, you move on. You move on. Physical therapists in the hospital will say, you've been in the bed long enough, move on. To get well, you need to start walking around. In fact, physical therapists are the people who get you moving. These people have previously been drill sergeants. They challenge us. People who are healing from hurts, they'll often get kind of caught up in the be still phase. They need to move on, though. They need to become involved in ministries. Find your strength and serve your Lord. Move on. That is part of the healing process. You have to start moving and then helping other people. It's also important to remember that you have two options after you are healed. Healing always leaves scars in your life. When after you have been healed, you'll still have a scar. And when you have a scar, you always have a choice to make. In your notes, two options when you look at your scars from your hurts. You can either, number one, remember your hurt. You, when you look at your scar, you can think about the hurt and the pain and the resentment that you have. Or number two, you can remember in your notes your healer. You can choose to remember your healer. Thank you, healer. The Lord is my shepherd. He anoints my head with oil. When we look at our scar, we want to think of God's grace and God's healing of us. So the first thing to do is let Jesus soothe my wounds. Let Jesus soothe my wounds. Then in your notes number two, the second thing to do when you are hurt, let Jesus satisfy my needs. Let Jesus soothe my wounds. Let Jesus satisfy my needs. Looking at Psalm 23, verse 5, my cup overflows. In the Bible, an overflowing cup is a symbol of total satisfaction. When the cup is overflowing, that means God is good to you. You are having all your needs met. You need to look to God, though, to meet your needs. There's no person who can meet all your needs. You cannot meet all your own needs. Other people will fail in meeting needs, and then we get hurt again. We get disappointed. So we must look to Jesus. Look to Jesus to satisfy our needs. 
He met my needs in three ways. In your notes, number one, my cup overflows with hope, the Bible says. Looking at Romans 15, 13, God will help you overflow with hope in him through the Holy Spirit's power. You will never run out of hope. In your notes, number two, my cup overflows with love. Looking at 1 Thessalonians 3.12, may the Lord make your love to grow and to what? Overflow. God promises to meet your needs overflowing, first of all with hope, secondly with love. In your notes, number three, my cup overflows with joy. Looking at John 16.24, ask, using my name, and you will receive, and your cup of joy will overflow. In conclusion, filling your cup to overflowing. It has a custom in the Middle East. Have you ever wondered when you go to a person's house when you're supposed to leave? Maybe you don't know how to tell people, leave. In the Middle East, they had a custom. It was very clear. It was about filling your cup. If you were at a person's house, you received naturally a cup of wine, and then you drink that cup, and they would fill it again, and that was repeated. As long as the cup was refilled, you were welcome to stay. Now, if you found your cup empty after, say, a second glass, that meant hit the road. Hit the road, Jack. Your time is up. This is a two-glass house. If the host really liked you, though, and he wanted you to be around and hang around for a long time, then that would take your cup and fill it again and again. And then they would intentionally let it overflow. An overflowing cup was a symbol that you could stay as long as you wanted to stay because you are a special guest. And you and I are special guests to our good shepherd Jesus. In Psalm 23, my cup overflows means that you really do matter to God. It means that you are special to God. If you are hurting, if you have pain, Jesus does invite you to his banquet table where he will anoint your head with oil. He will fill your cup to overflowing because he is your good shepherd. Amen.